He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Amen. Yesterday I talked to you about in the footsteps of David. And we talked about training for reigning. But this evening I want to talk to you about the love life of David. And I pray that the Lord will speak to you and do something wonderful in your life. I want to greet your very G.O. Reverend Yali, his wife, and all the pastors that serve in the Chalak Diocese. Most of the time... We don't take our teachers for granted. We don't take our doctors for granted. We don't take our pharmacists for granted. But we take our pastors for granted. But I pray that God will open your eyes to see the usefulness of a pastor. Because if God didn't call pastors and use them, some of us will be in the psychiatric hospital by now. If God didn't call pastors and use them, some of us, our marriages would have been over. If God didn't use ministers, some of us, our destiny and our future would all have been twisted. So we have to appreciate the instruments that God sends our way. Not when they die, they come and stand here and retribute. But you must appreciate them whilst they are with you. The Bible says we should honor they that labor amongst us. The Bible says they deserve double honor. How come you give double honor to your boss? And no honor to your pastor. May the Lord change us. Amen. Amen. I greet all the lady pastors, pastors' wives, and all of you in the Chalak Diocese. God bless you. I said Romans 12, but I have not turned to the place myself. Romans 12, verse 19 to 21. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written... Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Amen. Now, the love lessons of David. You see? Romans 12 is telling us, and he wasn't talking to unbelievers. He said, brothers, avenge not yourself. Avenge not yourself. Because we have a human tendency to always want to put what is wrong right. And always to repay people with what we think is their due. And the Bible is saying to brethren, Christians... Avenge not yourself. Don't seek revenge. But give place to the anger of God. And the Bible is saying give place because many of us, we fight our own battles. And when you fight your own battles, God does not fight for you. And we fight battles that we shouldn't fight. So God has to constantly remind us, the battle is mine and not yours. The battle has my name on it and not your name. And so he's saying that as for vengeance, as for revenge, as for repayment for evil, it is mine. And I say that I will repay in the way I see fit. But it says that if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is hung thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire upon his head. It didn't say if your friend, it said if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And it's the last thing that you and I would like to do, to feed an enemy. In fact, you are likely not to know what the enemy is going through, let alone to know that he's hungry. And even when you see him hungry, you say, ah, this is the hand of God, let him suffer. He said, if your enemy is thirsty, give him drink. So when you do that, you heap 
coals of fire upon his head. I believe that it means that you let the person's conscience, eh? it worries him as if you have put fire in the head. And the Bible says, do not be overcome with evil. Don't let evil win against you, but overcome evil with good. So God is showing us how to overcome evil. He's saying that you don't overcome evil for evil, fire for fire, but you've overcome evil with good. And so when you repay evil for evil, you have been overcome by evil. It means that evil has conquered you. But when you overcome with good, you have jumped above the evil. You have jumped above scratching with crows and uh, uh, hens. You have now begun to fly with eagles. Why am I talking about all these things? Because no Christian is greater than his love walk. In 1 Corinthians 30, the Bible says, Faith, hope, and love are the greatest is love. Hallelujah. And David had been chosen and anointed by God through Samuel to be king. But he had to pass another test. And that was the test of love. And the Bible talks about what love is. Love is not the one you see in a Nigerian movie. Love is not the lies that that boy tells you. That's not love. Love is not sleeping with a person per se. You can be fulfilled. You know, you have love already. Then the fulfillment of that love is what exists between a husband and a wife. But the Bible says, among other things, love suffers long and is kind. I always say that that's one of my greatest shocks, that love suffers and suffers long. And that is what most of you did not know when you were marrying, that love suffers. And you didn't know that it even suffers long. So when anybody tells you that I've been married for 40 years, I've been married for 15 years, know that love has suffered long for 15 years. The Bible says love is not puffed up. It is not arrogant or rude. It is not easily provoked, easily stirred up. Love believes the best about everybody. I think King James says that love believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And that love never fails. Even prophecy, it says it will fail. Even miracles, I think they will come to an end. But as for love, it will keep you going. Amen. I pray that through the love life of David, your life will change. So let's go to First Samuel. We there, verse, chapter 18. I'm reading from verse 1. Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as himself. And Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor including his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and prospered. And Saul set him over the men of war. And it was pleasing in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it happened as they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistines that the women, not the men, the women, came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. And the woman sang as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul became very angry for this saying, displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands. But to me they have ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day. Or the NASB said, And Saul looked at David with suspicion from that day. Amen. Now the Bible says that Jonathan loved David as himself. You know, the Bible says, Love your neighbor as yourself. And then the man asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus now started to talk about the good Samaritan. But when the Bible says that Jonathan loved David as himself, we saw a demonstration of that love. He stripped himself of his robe. He stripped himself of his bow, his sword, his spear, everything that he had. So he 
as it were became without royal clothes and he clothed David he was a prince David was nobody but by giving David everything on himself he made David look just like him I believe that that is what it means when it says love somebody as yourself and in the church of God there's very little genuine love and we have a lot of plastic love that is not real and you do things that if it were done to you you wouldn't like but because it's not you you do it but Jesus said love your neighbor as yourself and what you would not like others to do to you do not do to others Jonathan did not want anything from David but we Christians feel that you must have some profit something from the person before you love the person if anything at all Jonathan was in a higher position he could do more for David David could do nothing for him that is the kind of love God is looking for sometimes there's more love in the world than in the church sometimes when you have an issue then you see that in the church rather you have nobody but in the world you have comfort and you have love but God wants us to walk in love so that we will overcome love is a weapon God gives you so that you will overcome in this life now Saul brings David permanently to serve under him and David pleased everybody everybody was happy with Saul's choice everything was going on well the honeymoon period was still on but when they were coming from the battle the women they sang a song now when you look at Proverbs 5 Proverbs 6 Proverbs 7 one thing that runs through all of them is that women flatter with their mouth the Bible says that with her flattery she causes him to yield she's not holding an AK-47 she's not holding a bazooka but just with her flattery she causes him to yield and to cause something is to make something happen the Bible says that her words drip like honey and her words are as smooth as oil the Bible says and warns about the stranger but that yield not to her flattery so many kings have fallen through her people in leadership people in authority she didn't come with any wild army but she came with flattery nice smooth loving words I have learned that that is a sign a, a sure sign of a strange woman not just the dressing how can David fight Goliath in one day and kill 10,000 and Saul who has been king and has fought so many battles had, has killed a thousand women can be the source of a lot of confusion and disturbance in the house of God and then we have a way you know the Bible says in Proverbs 31 no Proverbs 30 that the adulterous woman she eats and then she wipes her lips and she says I know no evil she wipes her lips you won't see that she has eaten anything and I'm sure that when these women are asked, oh, but we're just singing a song. Saul and David are coming. And you meet them with a totally false song. And so two people who had an otherwise thriving and good relationship, jealousy, and other things have come in because of your song. The Bible says that the words of a talebearer are terrible. When if men had danced and sang it, they would not have a problem. But a woman's praise to a man has a certain deadening effect. And I think that even in this example, it's a negative example. But those of us who are married can begin to learn lessons from this woman. Not to flatter, but to praise. Because men have an ego that needs to be stroked. The Bible says, as refining pots to silver so is a man to his praise so as silver is refined in a pot when you put a man in the pot of praise he rises up to do better but we have grown up to know just criticism and we have grown up to look at only what is wrong not what is right and Satan leads us into a trap where we become contentious women. You didn't do this. You are not this. You never mind me. You never come. You never care. You never look. You never this. What about the things he does? When a man hears that all the time in the house, 
He does not feel like coming home. He feels like staying in that place where, although he knows it's lies, he will stay there. Men also have a disease. Even when they are being lied to, they cannot see. I mean, a woman will be lying. You, you can hear that Saul has slain his, his thousand, David is ten. You know there's a blatant lie, but you want to bask in it. Bible says from that day onward from that day it was a significant day that day the women sang the song that day the women flattered that day they said things that were not true from that day Saul I did the whole relationship became something and they have ascribed to me a thousand how much more can they give him but the kingdom you see a woman's words make a man tremble and feel insecure we have the gift of the tongue and when we use it in that kung fu way even a man that God has called and anointed as Saul can feel suddenly insecure and unsure of himself no matter how confident your husband is your words can make him tremble no matter how gifted your husband is your words can make him wonder his whole substance, his whole existence, and his whole being. What is that? What's, all, what's going on? From that day on, Saul eyed David. But I want to tell you something. One thing that Saul didn't realize is that it's not these women who installed him as king. And they didn't have the power to dethrone him. Fear is false evidence appearing real. F stands for false. E stands for evidence. And A stands for appearing. And R stands for real. False evidence appearing real is fear. And so Saul thought that, hey, then they are going to give the kingdom to David. He had forgotten that he was actually looking for the donkeys of his father when God Almighty called him. And when God calls you, Nobody can distill you except God allows it. Quite. The root of much insecurity is fear. So we feel insecure that I'll lose my husband, I'll lose my future, I'll lose my home, I'll lose because we are afraid. And why are we afraid? Because we are not sure about certain aspects of our relationship. Yeah. Now the Bible says in verse 12 that Saul was afraid of David, for the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Saul was afraid of David, for the Lord was with him and had departed from him. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and appointed him as his commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David was prospering in all his ways, for the Lord was with him. When Saul saw that he was prospering greatly, he dreaded him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, and he went out and came in before them. Then Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter Merab. I'll give her to you as my wife. Only be a valiant as a wife. Only be a valiant man for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, My hand shall not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. But David said to Saul, Who am I? And what is my life? Or my father's family in Israel, that I should be the king's son-in-law. So it came about at the time when Mirab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel the Meholathite for a wife. Now after the women had sung this song, the Bible says that Saul held a spear at David. And David escaped from Saul's presence. And because Saul was now being filled with more jealousy and envy, he removed David from his presence. But the Bible says that David went in and out amongst the people. And the Lord prospered him because the Lord was with him. Most of us are too worked up about what our enemy is planning or what our enemy is doing. And we are too worked up about what are their plans? What is he thinking? How is the person trying to hurt me? What does the person want to do? So that I also make plans to counteract what the person is doing. But it doesn't matter when you are removed from Saul's presence. Because it's not Saul who poured the oil on you. It's God Almighty. And even when your people against you have evil intentions and they remove you from their presence and they put you in a place that is dangerous and they put you in a place with evil intentions, God has a way 
of working things out for our good. Like David said, like uh, Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God turned it around for good. It doesn't matter the intention of the person. It doesn't matter the plans that are taken behind your back. It can be meant for evil, but God has the ability to turn it for good. The more Saul pushed David away, the more he prospered. And the Bible gives a reason for it. It said, because the Lord was with him. You remember the first time, he said, call David. He's a valiant man. He's a skillful musician. He's handsome. And the Lord is with him. It is a quality he never lost, that the Lord was with him. It doesn't matter who is in opposition against you. The Lord is with you. Like Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us? And then Saul promises his daughter to David. Oh, I'll give you my daughter as a wife. But the intention is that so that when he has to go and get the dowry or whatever, the hand of the Philistines will be against David and they will kill him. And when that happened, when David was told that, oh, the king is going to give you his daughter. He didn't think of anything bad. He was walking in love. Love believes the best. So he said, oh, who am I that I should become the king's son? I'm not even worthy. You know, I don't think that I'm... But many of us, if we've seen a dagger, a spear thrown at us four times, and then you come and tell me you want to give me your daughter, ah, I will see through it. David believed the best. In spite of his negative experiences. Some of you, because of your negative experience, you have never been healed of bitterness. You have never moved on. Your heart is not at the place where it should be. But David could endure spears being thrown at him. Saul eyeing him from that time. Saul removing him from his presence. And when Saul says, I'll give you my daughter, he still believes that it's with good intentions. I believe the key is knowing that Your destiny is not in the hands of any man. We make man too powerful and too important in our lives. We give men too much credit for things that they are not even capable of doing. It's only God who can do that. And when this marriage doesn't work, Saul says, oh, I'll give you my other daughter. And uh, Saul says to his servants, lie to David that it's because I really like him and he's found favor before my sight. That's why I'm giving him now my second daughter. But it was really so that when he goes to fight the Philistines, he will be killed. So, so that the Philistines will be a snare to him. It was a trap. But as God will have it, the Bible says that this Merab, Mikal, she just loved David. It doesn't matter if your Merab does not come to you. God is preparing Mikal so that your life can be saved. Sometimes we cry too long over things that are destroyed, over disappointments, over things that could have been. But God is able to take that raw material and work something good out of it. And Christians must be confident about that. Now, it was Mikal who saved David's life. Perhaps Merab was incapable of that. God has the master plan. Bible says we know that all things work together for to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose and so it's not that everything is good but everything will work out for good so when Saul decided to kill David Michal said oh David get up and escape and made a way for him through a window and then she sent word to her father oh my husband is sick and when the people came to get him she had put goat's hair and a doll and everything in the bed for it to look like David was inside. So that gave David time to run. And when Saul said, why did you do this? Oh, David, I was, my life was being threatened. Because of Michal, David's life was saved. Some of you ladies, it was Richard that was taken. Peter was taken. John was taken. Don't worry. God is about to release your Michal. So don't mess your broken heart. Oh, and he went and he said this to me. A show mo. There's a song like that. A show mo. I said, oh, what? God will make a way. Hallelujah. And we are moving on. Bible says when Saul knew that the Lord was with David, he was even more afraid of him. Sometimes people don't like you, not because they don't like you, but because they are afraid of you and what you represent and who you are. Now this same Saul goes to run after David in the wilderness 
And Jonathan had told David, look, let me go and find out if my father wants to kill you. And when he went to find out, he saw that, hey, it's true that the man wants to kill you. So run for your life. So David ran into the wilderness. I mean, he went to Samuel, he went to Ahimelech, he went to different people. Then he found himself in the wilderness. Now David became aware that Saul had come out to seek his life while David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David at Horish and encouraged him in the Lord. And he said, do not be afraid because the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. And you will be king over Israel and I will be next to you. And Saul, my father, knows that also. Amen. Verse 19. Then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeah saying, Is David not hiding with us in the strongholds of Horesh on the hill of Hakila, which is on the south of Jesmine? And then Saul takes his old army and goes to follow David. And just as they are about to catch David, somebody brings away that the Philistines have attacked us and Saul has to leave David and go back. The weapons God uses to protect you, you don't know about Amen. Now when you come to 1 Samuel chapter 24, after Saul has gone to fight the Philistines, he comes back to pursue David. Verse 2, Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David. 1 Samuel 24 chapter verse 3, and he came to the sheepfolds on the way where there was a cave and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Behold, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, They are sharing and come. Behold, I'm about to give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David arose and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. And it came about after that that David's conscience smote him or bothered him. Because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe. So he said to his men, Far be it from me, because of the Lord. You see, the reason why you walk in love is because of the Lord. Not because of the person. Not because of the person's misbehavior. Not because it's true. Not because it's true that the person is some way. But because of the Lord. Because of the Lord, I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. To stretch out my hand against him. Since he is the Lord's anointed. And David persuaded his men with these words. And did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul arose and left the cave. And went on his way. Now afterwards. David arose and went out of the cave. And called after Saul saying. My Lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him. David bowed with his face to the ground. And prostrated himself. And David said to Saul. Why do you listen to the words of men? Saying, Behold, David seeks to harm you. Behold, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord has given you today into my hand in the cave. And some said to kill you, but my eye had pity on you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Now my father, and and, uh, see indeed, see the edge of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you, know and perceive that there is no evil or rebellion in my hands. And I have not sinned against you, though you are lying in wait to take my life. May the Lord, you see, avenge not yourself. May the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. And then verse 14. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog? A single flea? The Lord therefore be judge and decide between you and me. And may he see and plead my cause and deliver you from my hand. Now it came about when David had finished speaking these words to Saul. That Saul said, is this your voice my son David? Then Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, You are more righteous than I. For you have dealt well with me, why I have dealt wickedly with you. And you have declared today that you have done good to me, that the Lord delivered me into your hand, 
and yet you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safely? May the Lord therefore reward you with good in return for what you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know his prophesying that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. So now, swear to me by the Lord that you, you not cut off my descendants. Verse 22, And David swore to Saul. And Saul went to his home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Amen. David said, The Lord judge between me and you. The Lord decide between me and you. Lord plead my case and deliver me. That is the kind of love life that David led. Learned to leave things to God. Sought out for him. And he learned to spare the life of his enemy. I mean, let's not pretend. Somebody is coming to kill you. And he has followed you into a cave. And when he came, you realize that he's not with himself. He's asleep or he's going to relieve his or whatever. And then you come and you cut a part of his garment. And the people with you give you encouragement. The Christians, they say, ah, do you remember the prophetic meeting we went for? They said the Lord will make your enemies your footstool. So arise and give them what he deserves. And David cut the edge and immediately his heart smote him. Some of us, our hearts will never smite us because we are so hardened and our consciences are now seared. And so when we are walking out of love, unforgiveness, whatever, we can't even feel it. Our hearts will never smite us. You cut the edge, it smites you. Some of you, you will take away the whole coat and you will feel nothing. But David had a tender conscience. And he was a man after God's own heart. And when God spoke, God could reach him. How come you are so rebellious, so stubborn, so hard that God cannot reach you? I believe that's what the Bible says, receive with meekness. I mean, just be cool. Receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your soul. I'm not here to pretend that walking in love is easy. I'm not here to pretend that walking in forgiveness is easy. I'm not here to pretend that when you see your enemy fall, it's not nice. It's nice. But for a child of God, you don't walk by feelings. You don't walk by situations and experiences. You walk by God's way. And you do it not because you feel like doing it, but you do it because of the Lord. David said, because of the Lord. You see, when you look at man, you can't walk in love. When you look at man, you can't forgive. Because even when you are forgiving them, then they are more some way. When you are forgiving them, then they've made their walkings and then they are behaving as if they rather are right. You said, look, they don't deserve my forgiveness. But when you look at God and you say, because of God, I let this matter rest. Because of God, I forgive you, my husband. Because of God, when I forgive you, I will not mention this issue again. It's over. Because of God. Many of us, we say we're forgiven. But we tell the whole of Ephesiasi, the whole of Kofoidra, what the person has done. You, 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 you take away the person's reputation. And you put shame on him. And then you say that you have forgiven him. And God will never use you to a certain level if you don't know how to walk in love. If you want to be in the ministry and to serve God, you have to learn to walk in love. Because many, many, many people will offend you. The Bible says the kingdom of God is made up of many fishes. Different, different types of fishes. Amen. With different, different types of manifestation. I tell you, one of the greatest things that I've had to walk in as the bishop's wife is unconditional love. Because sometimes the people you have ministered to, the people you have loved, the people you have sacrificed for, they are the ones who become the most some way. The people you trust, they are the ones who let you down. But you can't look at that, those experiences. You have to look at Jesus. And you have to say, because of the Lord, I will not avenge myself. Say, the Lord avenge me of you, Saul. All these things you are doing. The Lord judge between me and you. And he still didn't lose respect for Saul. 
He said, my lord the king. And when Saul turned, David bowed and prostrated himself. Some of us will say, you, you say you are a king. Look at your misbehavior. Am I now going to bow to you? You have, have lost all respect for you. But David knew that vengeance was the Lord's. And that it was God who would repent. He said, the Lord plead my cause. The Lord deliver me. Look, you will do your plans. You will chase me. One man, you are coming after me with 3,000 uh, uh, warriors. One man. 3,000. So, you have few heart aches. They haven't reached 3,000 yet. And when he reaches 3,000, God is still able to take care of you. When you are just one man, you have 3,000 things coming against you. The only reason why you will survive is because the Lord is with you. You have a certain supernatural power. A certain supernatural grace that God gives you. Because he sees the army and says, Oh, 3,000, I need to send reinforcement to my daughter. And he will. And David didn't just say when he saw Saul that, Oh, Saul, I've not seen what you are doing. Actually, you are a very good man. You see, sometimes in trying to walk in love, we tell lies. You are a very good man. I've never seen you sin before. David said, my father, why have you come against me? Have you come against a dead dog? Have you come against a fly? I mean, what is the iniquity in me? You know, even God says, come, let us reason together. So sometimes you have to reason with the person. But not fight your opinions and push it down the throat of the person. But you are just having a discourse with the person. That Look, this thing that you are doing following me, coming with me to the wilderness, which, what, what how many of the things have, what are you repaying me for? What, what is it all about? And then what did Saul say? He said, David, you are more righteous than I am. You see, you overcome your enemies with good, not with evil. As soon as David took that attitude, he had a superior place in relation to Saul. And when he climbed that superior place, now Saul begins to confess his sins. Without David, it was just love. Love provokes change in people. And in your marriage, love will turn your spouse around. Not condemnation. It's true he's done wrong. It's true he's shocked. It's true he shouldn't have done what she did. But love will change a person. And bring the person to repentance. And like Saul, the person will say, you, it's okay. You are more righteous than I am. My son David, you are. Nothing would have made Saul come to that point. But his work of love brought Saul to that place. Amen. Do not be overcome with evil. But overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. Amen. And then Saul starts to bless him. I know that you will be king. I know that the Lord will establish you in Israel. How can somebody who has come to kill you now begin to speak good words over your life and establish what God has said? How can somebody who has come against you with 3,000 people thrown daggers at you? It is said that Saul threw daggers at David 21 times. And then the person's own son comes to tell you that my father says he's going to kill you. And then that same person just turns around and says, I know that you will be king. I know that the Lord has given the kingdom to you. I know that you will rule Israel. How did that come about? This work of love. The greatest is love. The greatest is not revenge. The greatest is not unforgiveness. The greatest is not bitterness. The greatest is love. And that's why the Bible says, looking diligently in the book of Hebrews, lest there be in any of you the root of bitterness. And when the Bible says, look, you don't look for things that are clear and are there. You look for things that you cannot see or find easily. And that's why David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Because I would say, oh, I don't have any God. I don't have any word. But you, you, you need a searching by the Holy Spirit. You need a searching. Hallelujah. Amen. And Paul writes it to the Hebrews, says, looking diligently. Not just looking, but looking diligently with hard work, with effort. Lest there be in any of us. Let the root of bitterness springing up from amongst us trouble us and defile others. First of all, it's a root. 
It's not a stem. It's not a leaf. It is something that is deep down. It's the root of bitterness. And roots take time to spread underground. And therefore, it's not easy to uproot because it has taken root. And it says that when it takes root like that, the first person it attacks is you. It troubles you. And then when you are troubled, you are thinking about the person. Hey, the person is asleep in his house. Then you are thinking, hey, how could somebody do this? Hey, what betrayal, lady pastor? I'll never forget. Ah, what offense? And the person who did the offense is sleeping and snoring. Sometimes that alone should make you shake yourself and rise. I'm going to live. But it's a root. Instead of meditating on the word of God, you meditate on the things people have done against you. Instead of meditating on the word of God, you meditate on the sins of your husband against you. Hey, 1951, he did this. 52 to the same. 53, the same pattern. Oh God. 56, the same. And then root, the root will be taking root properly. But it will trouble you. It will steal your sleep. It will steal your peace. It will, sp- it will steal your rest. It will take everything away from you. Then after that, you start to talk to people. Do you know what he did? See him like that. You don't know. It's just a church. The home face is different. You, you see her smiling like that. You don't know. It's not, you see, the reason why your wife is not changing, the reason why your husband is not changing, because you have not tried the root of love. You have just tried the root of bitterness. You've tried the root of criticism. You've tried the root of condemnation. But if you will use unconditional love, it will bring the person to his or her knees. Without, for indeed, Saul was brought to his knees. And I can hear the Spirit of God say, most of us, we have to look diligently. And the Bible says that when you walk in bitterness, you fail of the grace of God. The petrol, the grace that God is pouring into your life, it just begins to fail, like failed bricks. You are just failing. You are just going down the hill. You are not able to stop it. You are not able to control anything. And you are just hurtling down a road of destruction because of the root of bitterness. of the grace of God. Satan's real aim is not the offense of the offender. His real aim is so that you will fail of the grace of God. And Paul said, it is by grace that we stand. So if your grace fails, how can you stand? You see, Satan does not show us the long-term plan. He shows us, oh, she did this, you are angry, be like this. You two, you are following that. But the long-term plan is so that you will fail of the grace of God. When God lifts his grace from your life, where can you stand? Grace are we saved. Even salvation starts from grace. When you start to fail of grace, where do you stand? Pray for healing for us. Some of us, we have to throw the past away. Not because the past is not true, but because God has not employed you as judge. And God has not called upon you to avenge. God said, leave room for the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine. And I will repay. Learn to fight your battles on your knees. Don't fight your battles with your mouth, your hands, your bitterness, your unforgiveness. Learn to fight your battle on your knees. God will bring you to a place of superiority over your enemy. The greatest is love. The greatest is not prophecy. The greatest is not word of knowledge. The greatest is not the spirit of discernment. They are all good gifts. But the one that never fails is love. I pray for renewed hearts. Pray for new beginnings. Don't let the past rob you of your future. What has happened has happened. You can't do anything about it. God can take that raw material and work it out for good. So that that which was meant for evil, God will turn it around for good. I pray that the Lord will do just that in your life. Stand to your feet, Jesus. I want us to be very serious this moment. I want you to talk to God about your love life. If you have to kneel down, kneel down. If you have to lie prostrate, lie prostrate. And say, God, search my heart. And some of us will have to ask him for healing. Because there's a certain pain, a certain soreness that only the hands of God can heal. And only the finger of the spirit of God can touch. And I believe in supernatural healing. In places where the eye cannot see. Some of us will have to ask God for a new beginning. 
Some of us will have to ask for grace to forget. Some of us may not have experienced something now, but the future. The Lord, my love walk, let it be the one that you desire. Help me walk in love. Help me to be sincere in my heart and walk in love towards all men. Speak to God. The Holy Spirit is here. We can't do everything for ourselves, but God will do it for you. I've learned that sometimes things overwhelm me. But I just say, Lord, just take over. I'm not able. I'm not capable. I'm just helpless. But you are the Lord who is my helper. Help me. Oh, kabara moshande ne mamala kode mastabande ne karamashonde. I come against every root of bitterness. I come against every spirit of offense. I come against old heads that are not dying. I come against disappointments that your people cannot overcome. I come against mountainous situations in people's lives. In the name of Jesus, I come against emotional pain that is not getting healed. Your word says, my God, that you came to heal the brokenhearted. I pray for healing for your people tonight. I pray for a new beginning. I pray for new things. I pray for rivers in the wilderness of God. I pray for rivers in the desert and highways in the wilderness. In the name of Jesus. I pray for healing in relationships. I pray for healing in our minds. I pray for healing in our souls. I pray for healing in our hearts. The brokenness of God. For you came to heal the brokenhearted. Oh, you have the anointing so that you could heal the brokenhearted. Let the anointing move along these aisles and let lives be touched all over again by your spirit and by your power. Let there be love shed amongst us. Let there be love in our hearts. And may this love sweep this nation Cause us, oh God, to arise. So God, to arise. Give us a fresh understanding. So fresh understanding of brotherly love. Brotherly love that is real. Let them. Ask God for healing. And the inner resources of your heart, your relationship with your father, with your spouse, with your friend, with your husband. Oh yes, the trials that lie ahead that you cannot see. You want to say, Lord, prepare me and help me to walk in love towards all men. Give me supernatural ability. I pray for healing, God. I pray for healing. For people here who cannot even share, Lord, what is going on. For the disappointments, the betrayals, the offenses, we bring them to the cross. For it's at the cross that we receive our healing. It is at the cross that there's an exchange, oh God. We bring them all to the cross. And I ask for supernatural healing. Oh, yes, Lord. Heal me, oh Lord. And I healing you can't do it yourself heal me oh God and I will be healed for you are the one I praise you are the one I praise you are here this evening you need a certain kind of healing from within. I just want you to step forward. I want to pray with you. I want God to touch you. Where only the scalpel and the knife of the surgeon in heaven can make you whole. Oh Lord, and I will be healed. 
It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.